Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. Amen. All right, turn your Bibles with me to the book of John, chapter 11, verses 38 through 44. The book of John, chapter 11, verses 38 through 44. I want you to notice, if you don't mind, the book of John, chapter 11, verses 38 through 44. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stitch, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound, hand and foot, with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go. Based on what I've just read to you, and of course, keeping in theme with our Mary King Auxiliary Day, I want to talk to you for a few minutes on this topic, auxiliaries that really help auxiliaries that really help. Help is necessary. What I mean by necessary is absolutely needed. It's required. It is unavoidable. Why? To advance the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 11 and 12 reads as follows. Let's go Matthew 11 and 12 just for a moment. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12. When I speak about help, I'm talking about that which is needful, that which is necessary. And if you live long, excuse me, even Jesus, when he was here on the earth, he had his disciples to help him. Matthew 11 and verse 12 reads as follows. And from, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven, heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by Force. Again, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Violence is that we use force or we apply force and the violent, those who are energetic, strong, those that use force, take it by force. We are, cons- we are at a constant war with dark forces in heavenly places trying to influence our heart and mind in and out of the church. In other words, they want to influence us to do his bidding, do things his way instead of God's way. But it takes strong, energetic, and mature Christians who are willing to apply spiritual force when necessary if we're going to be effective in ministry and with people. We have to use wisdom and apply a little push to help people to their potential. And as leaders in the church, we have to push ourselves in the midst of pushing others. 
Push simply means we're moving into better. We're going to push ourselves to be on time. We're going to push ourselves to pay attention. We're going to push ourselves to grow in how we lead God's people. We're going to push ourselves to give. We're going to push ourselves when it comes in our ministering in song or in speaking or emceeing or praying and so forth. If we're going to be used to advance the kingdom of God, we have to learn how to gain wisdom and insight on how to apply the necessary force in ourselves as well as others. We have to push ourselves to continue to pray, to bring God as tithes and as offerings, to push ourselves to increase our offerings, to witness to those who need to hear about Jesus, push ourselves to check on people in and outside of the church, to call them, to text them, to send messages via, uh, excuse me, uh, using our YouTube as well as our sermon notes or our podcast. Because there are many forces that we all have to deal with on a daily basis. And we may not say that we're dealing, and see, sometimes you can get confused thinking that the people are the cause, not understanding that sometimes they're being influenced by outside forces. Ephesians 6 and 12 gives us better insight into that. Let's go over to the book of Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. It reads as follows. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darts of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Again, for we do not wrestle. A wrestling means there's a contest or a dispute going on between two individuals where one is trying to overthrow the other. But notice where he says we don't wrestle against flesh. Flesh is represents the body of a man or a woman or his human nature. Flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Let's look at take take a closer look at what we're wrestling against, what's trying to overthrow us. The Bible lists one as a principality. A principality is the leader of a demon or, or demons or fallen angels. They're the leaders of demons or fallen angels against powers, against the authorities, the jurisdiction, the influence, the physical and mental power that tries to come against us. In other words, they're trying to take over your mind to get you to think or talk or act like them. Against the rulers of darkness of this age, which is the prince of the age, the devils, the demons, and so forth. We also remember these as the ones that try to influence uh, the, the media. They are the prince of the power of the air. Again, the fourth one he talks about is the spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. These are the, the ones that try to influence us to do evil purposes or desires. So we see here that we don't wrestle against flesh, but we wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers, and the host of wickedness in heavenly places. And then these try to influence our decisions to go against God's will for our lives. 
These spirits will try to get us to go against God's will for our lives. Try to get us to make a decision to harm others. Try to get us to treat people unjustly. Try to live, uh, uh, excuse me, try to get us to live without boundaries. Try to get us to do as we feel, not as we're being led by the Holy Spirit. Now, we can't control other people and how they live, but we can make an influence or impact on how we live. That we need to understand that. We don't need to get caught up where they don't do this and they don't do that. What are you doing? What are you doing in the situation? And that's very important that we understand that. Now, you can't bind those enemies that try to influence people to have a better outcome for your circumstance and situation. And they may not even know they're being influenced by the enemy. What I've learned over the years, many times, uh, people of the world, sometimes even people in the church, don't even recognize they're being under the influence of a demonic spirit. Which is sad, but it is a reality. Now, we might see uh, these type principalities or, and demonic forces try to play out in our government in business deals, in the economy, in the housing market, in the lending practices, in the real estate deals, in education, and even in our home as well as in our church, uh, when it comes to this particular type of work. And then you never know what people come out of. People are dealing with all types of issues and things that are going on. And sometimes they don't even realize the presence of what Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 gives us insight to. Don't even realize they're being, they're dealing with, let me go back again and read this, principalities. Don't even realize they've been under the influence of powers and rulers and, and spiritual hosts of wickedness. And I'm not talking about just for a few days. I'm talking about for years. They've been under that influence. But years, generational, they've been going down from generation to generation. And the enemy has been influencing the way they think, the way they talk, and the way that they act. And the next thing you know, they start to make their way into the kingdom of God. The next thing you know, they start to make their way into what God would have for them to be. And this is what you need to understand as we go a little bit deeper into this. They may be functioning, but if they're not really helping, would it, uh, helping, would it put them in a situation to meet the needs of individuals? For example, we have an auxiliary group in the church that constantly bickers and create chaos. They function, but it's questionable if they really help. Auxiliary members that participate when they're on, on a stage, but not for the good of the group. They're functioning, but are they really helping? Isaiah's that really help are led by leaders who are guided by the Holy Spirit, strong in the word, energetic and effective so that they can attract and produce like-minded people in their group. Auxiliary leaders must have a secure and established momentum in spiritual and natural matters. What do I mean by momentum? Ability to continue to move forward in the midst of opposing forces. Because I've learned over the years, whether you're saved or not saved, you have to deal with opposing forces. 
I'm going to tell you up front, you have to deal with it. I'd rather have, I'd rather deal with it with Jesus than trying to deal with it within my flesh or my car of the way that I think. I need help in dealing with the forces. I may not be in that situation, but I, I know that sooner or later they're going to try to influence the way I think, the way I talk, and the way I act. If you work around people, you don't have to watch out for forces. If you go shopping somewhere, you have to work, deal with people and deal with forces. And if you ain't careful, sometimes your own family, the Bible tells us, going to be out forces trying to influence them. That's just life. And I, I can't get mad at them. I have to go and say, hey, I, that, 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 that ain't God right now. I, I, I got to bind this up right now in the name of Jesus. And, and sometimes people like to work with the forces. Wait a minute, Lord, let me get out of that. <laughs> forces will attempt us. Uh, try to bind us up in our thinking, our talking, and our actions. They will try to bind us to the point that w- they will try to immobilize us and people that we are leading as well. We can't get stuck in our ways and the way that we think, our past experience, stuck in our feelings to the point that we begin to wither up and eventually become more and more separated from God, almost like a spiritual death. We have to stay in the word of God because forces are real and they're, and they're real in the church and church community as well. Beyond dealing with forces trying to influence us as leaders in God's church, we must understand that the people that we're leading deal with daily forces in and out of the church. I'll be honest with you, if you work somewhere, you probably deal with a force. If you deal with the public, you probably deal with a force. You ever call somebody and realize there's a force on the other end of the line? And you almost went there with them, but you said, oh, oh, I can't go with you, force. Because I feel, oh, you you almost got me that time, force. Yeah, because I failed two weeks ago. Yeah, I went with you, force. I went there with you, and it wasn't pretty, neither. Oh, you hung up on me, I hung up on you, and both of us was using words we shouldn't be using. I'm sorry, that's just personal. Maybe y'all ain't never dealt with nothing like that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Let's go back. Because people deal with forces. People deal with situations. People work with folks, man, that are interesting, to say the least. <laughs> John chapter 11. Let's, let's look, at it, look at this one today. John chapter 11, we'll start at verse 38, but let's, let's, let's paint the picture a little bit. Let's get an idea of what's happening. Lazarus, Martha, Mary, some of Jesus' closest comrades on the earth. He had his disciples, but Martha, Mary, and Lazarus was his good friends. There are probably other people you read about in Scripture that were close to Jesus as far on a friendship level, but none were probably more closer than these three individuals. The Bible doesn't really go into uh, a lot of detail how all the stuff that they talked about. You would hear the remnant of the conversation a little bit later. They had a conversation, but they would only tell you. When Martha, didn't I tell you, if you only believe, you would see, you know. So you realize they had a conversation before. You just don't know what the conversation was about. You knew they ate together because they were always together. Well, Lazarus got sick, his good friend. Lazarus died. They took Lazarus and pretend for just a moment, if you don't mind, they buried him. They buried him and they put a big old rock or stone against his tomb, which is where his cave, it was a cave 
So in other words, you got the stone, you got the cave, you got stone, and you got Lazarus on the other side. Now, Jesus heard about it. Jesus heard about it, and and because you know he wanted, you know, you got a good friend that passes away or goes through something like that, you want to know about it. So they got the word to Jesus, and Jesus said, "You know what? We're gonna wait a little bit before I go." I'm like, "Well, hold on. (laughs) This your good friend, uh, Jesus. Well, we gotta wait before we go. Well, I'm gonna wait before I go." You know, some people like to get up and jump as soon as they hear, "Oh, so and so going through something." Let's wait. Let's get on there right now. Jesus decided to wait. Well, well, hold on, Pastor. Isn't that his good friend? Isn't that the one that he slept with? Jesus said, hold on. Let's wait. So he waited. Now, he said, let's go. I'm mad disciples like, what in the world? He said, hold on. He said, wait. Now he's saying, let go. So he waited a little bit, and then he went. So now I'm skipping a few events, but you need to read the whole chapter because it's pretty much devoted. I mean, it's powerful. I mean, it's a lot in this. I can't get into all of it. I have you here to Wednesday, and then we have to hit Zoom button and go to Zoom Bible study right after that. But anyway, so now that he gets here, and, and, and G, they, they, they gather. Jesus comes into town. Martha meets him on the road on his way in. They, they tell Mary about it because he hadn't quite got to the grave yet. And so uh, he's, he's coming into town and they didn't have, uh, it's amazing, they didn't have Facebook, uh, TV, uh, Instagram, or nothing. But everybody knew Jesus was coming into town. Because the people that were with Mary, comforting her, heard about it too. Mary got up, left, went, and she met Jesus too. Then this is a little bit before you get read this part where I'm going to go to. And so now we got all these people getting ready to go over to the tomb where Lazarus is laying at. So John 11, 38. Then Jesus, again, growing in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. So number one, they bring in Jesus. Jehovah is salvation. They're bringing the one true God. They're bringing our Savior. They are bringing the healer. Not a healer, but the healer. They're bringing the strength to the cave. They're bringing power up to the cave. I'm sorry, y'all. I know where I'm going, so I'm trying trying to get ahead of myself. So anyway, they're bringing Jesus up to the cave. Now, so they get Jesus to the cave. He's got Martha with him, which is Lazarus' sister. So you see, Jesus is here. Lazarus on the other side. Now, in verse 39, then Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, now so while they're taking away the stone, Martha says this, Lord, by this time there's a stitch, for he has been dead four days. And Martha was right too. He had a stitch. But you know what I've known something though? Dead people can't smell, smell a stitch. Dead people can't smell a stench. Remind me, let me show you a scripture. I, I, I'm, I'm going to go with me just a moment. Here, stay, we'll go, hold that. Go to Ephesians 2 and 1. Ephesians 2 and verse 1. 
and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. So there's some people who were dead in trespasses and sin. Chances are when you're dead in trespasses and sin, you can't smell your sin. Here you are. It's called stench means bad odor or bad smell. See, people can be in sin for so long, they don't even recognize the stench. They could be lying so long, they don't even recognize they lie, the stench. They can be in unforgiveness for so long, they don't recognize the stench. They can have a nasty attitude for so long, but don't recognize the stench. They can be in unbelief for so long, but don't recognize the stench. They can be in pride for so long, but don't recognize the stench. They can be in unforgiveness for so long, but don't recognize the stench. Oh, but don't, don't, hey, don't, don't turn your nose up now, because when you were dead in trespass and sin, hmm, you were, had a little stench too. And don't you sometimes, you ever been with sometimes you, uh, don't they recognize their nasty, their attitude is so nasty? Don't they recognize that they, I mean, they got a nasty attitude. Don't they recognize it? They ain't got immune to the smell. They've been stinking for so long with their attitude, they don't, don't even smell it. Everybody else smell it. Everybody else has that mindset. Oh Lord, don't they recognize they got a nasty attitude? No, they don't. Because they've been there for so long, they don't even recognize the stench. And you think, well, no, don't they recognize that they, don't they smell themselves? But they've been there for so long, they don't even recognize the stench. I'm sorry, I just got, I'm going to share that with you. A little thing I thought about when I was studying this. Let's go back to John. John says this. 11 and 40, Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Come on, Martha. Martha. Martha, didn't I tell you at some other past conversation that did I not tell you if you would believe, if you would have confidence, if you would trust the Lord wholeheartedly, if you would have assurance, if you would think it to be true, would you not see Perceive, understand the glory, the majesty, the magnificence, the honor of God. Did I not tell you you would see it, Martha? And Martha, you concerned about the stench. I'm concerned about the glory. Lord, let me get out of there because I'm going to spend time right there. No, notice in verse 41. Then they, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his voice. Father, I thank you that you heard me. So notice now, we're going back. They got to the cave. Somebody has taken the stone away. And now here Jesus is in front of the cave. Lazarus is somewhere back there somewhere. We don't know exactly where. And, but he starts to pray. He says this, he says, Father, I thank you that you heard me. Heard is interesting. He says, I, I thank you that we're in agreement. I thank you that I'm not doing this on my own. We're in agreement, not my will, but your will being done. 
See, when you start praying, it's not about you. It's about what his will is for the situation. See, it wasn't about him. Listen, the glory of God, God was going to get the glory, but I got to be in the place where God can get the glory. I got to be in agreement with God. And so he says this in verse 42. And I know you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me or you appointed me. And I like this definition. You placed me here. See, I'm not here because I got to have a thought or a suggestion. I'm here by divine appointment. I'm here because I'm not here on my own. I'm here with the power of God working through me right now. And I'm not saying this because I'm trying to impress somebody else. I want y'all to believe. I want y'all to believe that he sent me here. I want y'all to believe that I got power to do something in this situation. Because when God sends you somewhere, he sends you with power. He sends you with the anointing. He sends you. When he send you out witnessing, he send you out with power. When he send you out sharing, he send you out with power. When he send you out ministering and song, he send you out with power. Now, 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 Lord, shut that. Verse 43. Now, when he had said these things, remember that he's still there. Lazarus somewhere in there in the cave. He cried with a loud voice, Lazarus! Come forth. Forth means come out. Now, Lazarus could not come out with positive thinking. Lazarus needed power to get out of his situation. He didn't need positive thinking to get him out. Lazarus needed power to come out of that situation he was in. And so sometimes when you deal with your every time you deal with God, you're dealing with power. You're de- listen, sometimes you get in situations you can't get out on your own. You can't call nobody. You can't phone nobody. You can't text nobody. Sometimes you can't even get out yourself. You need power. Not just any power, but Holy Ghost power. Dunamis, you need the power to come out. And see, we need to understand we need power to come out because we got grave clothes on. Lazarus had grave clothes on. He couldn't come out on his own because the Bible says he was bound from, basically he was bound from all the way up. Even had a veil over his face. And he who had died a physical death came out. He didn't come out. He didn't come out. Disciples didn't go get him. Jesus didn't go get him. So the man had to come out some way, didn't he? Oh, so y'all trying to figure out a natural way he came out. Let me tell you what I believe happened in there. The Bible literally, the word of God went in and grabbed him, lifted him up, and he literally floated out of that place because he was still bound when he came out. The disciples didn't go get him. Jesus didn't go get him. How'd he come out there? The word went and got him. You got to understand the power of the word of God. That's why he sent his word to heal him. 
God can get anybody out that wants to get out. He got the power to do it. So, so he got him out. And he, but he, when he came out, though, he was bound. Hand and, bound means to bind and fasten. Hand and foot with great clothes. And his face was wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to, to them, loose him and let him go. Let me read a little bit before I go a little deeper in this. Lazarus had experienced a physical death, but we know metaphorically people experience spiritual death. This almost to be separated from God. Jesus raised Lazarus up just as he raised up our sisters and brothers in Christ from a spiritual, spiritual state of death when they become born again. But things are trying to hold Lazarus. They're going to try to hold our sisters and our brothers. They're going to try to hold us as well. One thing I thought about when he came out, he still had a stench. Stench didn't go away because he came out. He came out with a stench. If he had a stench then, he had a stench now. Now, why is that important? I'm going to tell you in just a few minutes. Whether or not we know it, there are things that would try to hold us back and those around us back, such as gray clothes. Let's talk about gray clothes just for a moment. Some of our gray clothes may have been trickery, fornication, manipulation, adultery, deceit, fear, rejection, jealousy, insecurity, low self-esteem, low self-worth, pride, and so forth. There, there are people who are, their grave clothes is, they're tied to the past, tied to old abusive relationships, tied to old mindsets, carnal or fleshly ways of doing things that are contrary to God's written and revealed word. Grave clothes can represent the old way of doing things such as how do I, tr- I treat my brothers and sisters like I did when I came out of the world? I, I, I go to my old way of handling finances, handling relationships, dealing with my job or my business and so forth. But that way it stinks. It's not in line with God's written and revealed word. Those things that we held on to and allowed while we was unsaved to dress us in our thinking, our conversation, and our actions in the world are the very things that had to be removed when God raises us up. Our minds must be constantly renewed and auxiliaries were created to help, uh, help us in our thinking and our talking and our actions to reflect a renewed mind. To help us with a renewed mind. Help us with a renewed mind. Brother Jeffrey, you'll stand right there at that edge, please, for me. Grab your mask, though. I'll grab your mask. I need, uh, oh, hallelujah. I need Sister Ivory. You know, you already got your mask on. You don't mind standing here in the middle? <clears throat> if you'll stand right there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, Summer, do you have a mask? Can you put one on and stand right here for me, sweetheart? Thank you so much. Hallelujah. Now, 
I'm not saying that these individuals got anything, y'all, okay? Not anything, okay? Please, they're just helping me out a little bit. Y'all okay? All right, good, 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 good. Grave clothes. Wrapped up. Sometimes they come, not, not everybody's got has the same grave clothes. They look differently. Wrap yourself up there. Gray clothes come from past situations, circumstances, and so forth. Breakfast. But but we need auxiliaries to help with the gray clothes. See, sometimes we need men's ministry. I need Brother Craig. Come on up, bro. I need Deacon McCulloch, if you got your mask on too. That's going to make it easy for me. Deacon McCulloch, you still on the other side. See, sometimes men come in with gray clothes. And they need a man or men's ministry to get the gray clothes off of them. Because you never know what a man is dealing with like another man. And so a man may come in that's born again, to say the Lord brought him out, but they got gray clothes on. And men's ministry should be in a position to help him get his gray clothes on, brothers. To get his gray clothes. Oh. Y'all seeing that? Give the Lord a hand of praise for these men right here. All right, y'all go have a seat, man. Thank y'all so much. And then you have a woman coming in. Let me get, uh, oh, I gotta find a woman. <laughs> Miss Senior Miss Valley Harris. Sister Brittany, if you grab a mask for me, you'll grow. And sometimes women come in. A sister come in, need help from women's ministry to untangle her from her past. Now, Sister Ivory, I want you to do this for me. Now, not too hard, but just make it a little bit difficult for you to get off as they take them off. Now, y'all take off her. Because sometimes people, they struggle getting off their gray clothes. They don't want to. But even though they took them off, sometimes while they're taking them off, gray clothes will get on them. And now we got to turn around, Sister Brittany, get the gray clothes off her. Go ahead, we got to get it off her. Y'all got to get it off her now. Because not everybody that's taking people gray clothes off fully got all their clothes off, gray clothes off me. Because they need help just like the person. Oh, you do a spiritual. Restore one in the spirit of meekness. Consider yourself. Because, you know, you ain't exactly clean, clean yourself. Uh, uh, see, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I knew you probably know I was gonna go with that stench thing, but I, I got you, I got you, I got you, I got you, I got you. All right, let's thank God for these women's ministry leaders getting the grave clothes on. But now I need Sister Charity. I need sometimes there's youth 
to have gray clothes on. Well, Pastor, they too young to have gray clothes on. Really? You go through stuff, y'all. You deal with issues, y'all. You, you, look, you see stuff. They go on their phone and see stuff and don't tell nobody the stuff that they see. They don't, listen, sometimes people try to do, bully them on their, at school, on their phone. Sometimes friends will try to do things against them. You need ministry as well. So I need people that can work with you to get the gray clothes off. Go ahead and get the gray clothes off. Hallelujah. Let's get the Lord to have the praise there. Thank y'all so much. Yeah. Thank y'all you. So notice, we had men's ministry, women's ministry, youth ministry. It could be a number of different ministries. But our job is to lose him, lose them, and what? Let him go. Are y'all following me here? And what passed out? Well, you know something? Jesus didn't even go and help nobody. Loose them and let them go. He said, hey, y'all loose them and let them go. Lord, look how y'all looking at me now. That's not, you ain't going to help. Hey, if God tell them to, I will. But you know who he left it up to? He left it up to the ones who were around them. Now, listen, you know I'm going to help. You know that's me. That's who I am. I'm going to help folks. But we need to be in a position that when God say loose them and let them go, we're doing our part. Notice what he says here. To loose means to keep no longer, to let go. One way, I got two ways I'm going to talk about getting people loose. One way we loose them is by John 8, 31 and 32. Let's turn there quickly. John chapter 8, verse 31 and verse 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you what? Free. Free means to set at liberty from the dominion of sin, or like we're talking about today, to be free from the grave clothes. To be free from the grave clothes. What sets us free? Truth. Truth makes, gets grave clothes off of people. Truth will get all the different things we talked about when it comes to grave clothes off of an individual. As they become loose or free, we help them to be in a better position to follow Jesus and to trust him wholeheartedly, which will help them, which will help them become all that God has called for them to accomplish in his purpose. Grave clothes will mobilize you if you don't remove them. But truth will cause a person to be free from the grave clothes. Hallelujah for truth. Isn't that more truth wonderful? Let's go to Romans 12 and 2. Another aspect that will get us free. Another scripture that we can use to be free. Romans chapter 12 verse 2. And do not be conformed, fashioned after the same pattern in thoughts and action to this world, but be transformed 
are changed by the renewing, the renovation, the complete change for the better of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Our minds have to be renewed by the word of God. Our general leaders and members, we must refuse to pattern ourselves or our group after the world. We have to change our, we have to, listen, provide an atmosphere to help people change the way they think, the way they talk, and the way they act. It could be men's ministry, women's ministry, youth ministry. It's going to be the truth of God's word that's going to bring about the change that people need. It's going to help them to get grave clothes off. See, it's not just the pastor's job to get grave clothes off. Look how y'all looking right now. Let that sink in just for a moment. It's not just my job, and I'm going to do my, I'm trying my best to do my part, but it's all of our jobs. That's why I thank God for auxiliaries that really help. Because they are going to be doing their part just like, because you never know, somebody been in ministry for years, all of a sudden got gray clothes back on them. Well, that would never happen to me. We pray it never do. But if it do, I'm glad we got a plan to help us all be free. Is that right? Glory be to God. We may have to tear down and completely demolish some old ways of thinking and acting so that we can move into better. See, mature leaders, they don't make excuses. But immature leaders, they'll try to make excuses and justify them not changing. I don't need to change. I'm all right the way I am. Please. I've been saved for a long time, since 1987. I still need to change my thinking. Thank y'all for the four-way man said that. Well, I pray that you change your mind too. Now, auxiliaries who really, really want to help, we must have leaders and members who understand the following. Grave clothes are real on those that we lead. People may, listen, you can't see them with your, you know how we saw that, those gray clothes, right? Real gray clothes you don't see. You don't see them. You have to know about the Spirit of God that they're there. When you desert it, then you're led by the Holy Spirit as to how to deal with them. Gray clothes can immobilize us as, as leaders, which stops us from maturing and growing and being real, genuine help. We want to be helped as a leader. When gray clothes have me as a leader bound, I can hinder my group from moving forward. And gray clothes can be for, can be forceful and it takes strong, energetic, and established faith and leaders being led by the Holy Spirit to apply the necessary force as Matthew 11 and 12 talked about to help remove the gray clothes from people's lives. And as pastor of OCC, I need real help to support and share the gospel and share the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Helping others find our auxiliaries to fit in our local church and lead us all to a closer relationship with Jesus. And I'm done. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. 
And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at OCCVR.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.